This is the Wu Wei Wisdom Podcast, our weekly no-nonsense life lessons aimed to inspire you to master your emotional and spiritual health, achieve balance, harmony, and flow, and rediscover the authentic and awesome you. We're your hosts, David James Lees and Alexandra Lees. This week, we are talking all about how to handle criticism effectively and with ease. Now, if somebody criticizes you, does it really knock your self-confidence? Maybe you become very defensive, angry, or upset. Or maybe you have developed the habit of working very, very hard to avoid criticism of anybody at all times. And so it means that you do a lot of people pleasing and don't live your truth. Well, if you can relate to any of these issues, this teaching is going to be for you. We'll be looking at why criticism is such a huge and destabilizing issue for you and how you can learn to handle criticism well so you can stand strong, stay self-focused and in your flow. Okay, David, now I know criticism is a really big issue for some of your clients. Why is it that some people find criticism so difficult? Well, you're right, Alex, and it's an interesting subject to dig into because to me, when you talk about criticism, it's like the the bit of the iceberg that pops out of the water. There's a lot underneath of that. In the Wu Wei Wisdom model, it comes under what we call CCJ, criticizing, comparing, or being judgmental. And that definitely means the inner child is involved. So when you dig down into this, you'll see that we will branch off into other areas, which are very interesting. And you see that how people are quite happy to criticize but they don't like being criticized. So there's also, you'll notice the emotional pendulum, the paradox of how they look at this subject of criticism. So you use the analogy of an iceberg. So somebody disliking criticism and not being able to handle it well, they recognize that is a problem. And that's something they're consciously aware of. So it's above the surface. So when you're working with a client and you're digging down beneath the water's surface, what is there? What's what's going on? Well, it's normally about value or worthiness of how they value themselves. So what these clients are normally doing is looking externally to other people to receive validation, approval. And so they can't accept that the, the flip side, the other edge of the sword of somebody wanting to give them value and, and worthiness is this idea of criticism. So they have a real big problem in believing they're needy to be receive value, approval, and worth, but then they leave themselves open, as they would say, and vulnerable to be criticized, and there's the problem. And I guess when you're talking about that, David, I'm kind of recalling the analogy that you've often used uh, in terms of codependency and love, how if we become very codependent on another person for love rather than loving ourselves, we then 
make make ourselves very vulnerable. We're dependent on that person loving us rather than withholding love in order to feel any sense of love for ourselves. And so is this the same thing going on? It's very much the same thing because it's a misunderstanding of one of the most core spiritual ideas, beliefs, standards or morals that you have about yourself. So if you have a belief that you have to receive value and worth and approval, what a lot of my clients would call validation, it's almost like a drug, Alex. They're searching outside of themselves for for someone for or for everyone in a lot of my cases to give them value. They should never be in any way receive any negative talk or any criticism about themselves, about what they do, about the way they look, particularly the way they look, the actions that, that they take, or if they're doing something, they do not want to be criticized. So they, so in this pendulum, these are also the people that will really value perfection, trying to get it right. And as you said in the introduction, always looking to people, please. But what they're actually doing is and emotional manipulation. In my model, they're trying to, to manipulate other people to give them the drug of worth and value and this self-assurity. They're looking for the drug of validation. The problem is that value is not a commodity. Can I repeat that? Value and worth is not a commodity. Somebody can't give it to you and someone can't take it away from you. And this is why we use the, the, the iceberg. The little tip sticking above the water is, I don't like being criticized, but when you dig down under the, the iceberg, you have all of this spiritual belief about how you value yourself, how you live your life. And one of the things I say many, many times, and for me, it was such a help. I hope it's helpful to you. Let me repeat this and think about this statement. What other people think of me is none of my business. Think about that statement. What others think of me is none of my business. Because that's the truth. Because you can do, you could rip out your heart and give it to some to someone. And somebody would say, criticize it or it's too red or look at the blood it's all over the floor you made a right mess you cannot please everyone now that part of your mind that we call the inner child will discard that because what is the bigger drug is this validation and approval but david i think a lot of people would say yeah it's all well and good to say what other people think of me is none of my business but Surely it's important that my partner, my my wife, my husband values me and thinks well of me. Surely it's important for my boss to value me and think well of me. I can't just pretend like I can just do what I want and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. So, So what you just did there was to swing to the other side of the pendulum. So listen to the teaching. What others think of me is not in my business. But if you were my, well, you are my wife and you, if you didn't value me, then my next question is, why don't you value me? Why are you having difficulty in valuing me? 
we're sharing our life together yeah. we're following our goals so and the same would apply to my boss if my boss is paying me a salary and and I'm doing the best that I can for the work and he doesn't give me any value or doesn't approve of what I'm doing the next day I would be knocking on his, on their door and asking them why they don't value what I'm doing. So I wouldn't let that emotionally affect me. I wouldn't create negative emotions about that. I would do the opposite. I call this the difference between confronting and confrontation. I wouldn't be in a confrontation mode to my boss or my wife or my friend, but I would confront. And if you were giving me signals or signs that you didn't value me as your partner, as your husband, as someone who's sharing your life, I would want to know why. I would want to know what's going on in you. And the same would apply that to my friend as all my boss. Yeah. And and that's that's a really fundamental point because it's like we're not saying ignore criticism. Don't let it register with you. Just, you know poo-poo the other person's opinion you're saying don't let criticism from say important people in your life dent your own opinion and value of yourself but do be very interested as to the origin of the criticism because there may be a lesson to learn there for yourself which would be a positive lesson absolutely What others think of me is none of my business. So I'm not going to ground my life on what they think of me. I'm going to ask them why they think that. I'm going to step forward and ask them why they're forming that opinion so we can enter into a dialogue and we can discuss. I'm more than happy and and many times that people come on to our comments and say, I disagree with you, or and then I say, Could you could you highlight the bit you disagree with? And we'll enter into a discussion, you know, and we'll talk about it. I've got my opinion, you've got your opinion, and we may not agree, and that's okay. That's that's okay. But you have to make sure that you are grounded in your beliefs and what's important for you. You cannot ground yourself in other people because everyone, I often say to my clients where as when I'm doing this work. Think about this. If it's even for you, Alex, if I went to 10 of your closest family and friends and asked them a simple question, what's your opinion of Alex? I would get 10 different answers. Which one of those is true? Which one of those would you base your life on? Mm-hmm. Who are you going to? You're going to re- accept one and reject nine. You're going to, what are you going to do? And this is the fundamental teaching on this criticism. You cannot ground your life and your decision-making and your beliefs in other people's. Yes, of course, you communicate with them. Yes, of course, you're open to hear ideas, to hear different uh, perceptions, different ways of looking at it. Of course you are. And yes, of course, you're open to change your beliefs if they're found out to be incorrect but you don't ground your life on every passing comment that comes past your way because you will be totally in chaos. Yeah, and I think that the problem is often that if we go back to the start where we're looking for other people to tell us who we are, how valuable we are, how good a person we are, then we never 
we never cross check what they're saying with our inner wisdom, our inner knowing. Um, we automatically value their opinion of us more than our own opinion of us. It's kind of like a bit lazy in a way, but it is as an adult because we're not kind of self-referring. As a child, it was appropriate for us to look to other people, our parents, our teachers, our important family members, our older siblings, to kind of give us a point of cross-reference as to whether we were doing the right thing, doing the wrong thing, guiding us. But now as an adult, we need to change this system of knowing who we are. And that's absolutely correct. So when you get to the body of the iceberg under the water, you see that we're talking about the inner child work and your and your view is absolutely right. When we're a child, it is absolutely natural that we take our reference from important members, authority of our family, our parents, our grandparents, maybe our teachers. We don't particularly question them because we haven't got the cognitive reasoning and the understanding to question them. But the problem comes for a lot of my clients is that parental teaching or that authority guiding in in itself is a little bit faulty. And so we we learn bad techniques, <clears throat> bad beliefs, bad ways of looking at it, very restricted ways. And we never matured that. And if you are really delicate to criticism, this, when you dig down, as we're trying to do, you see there's a lot more going on here, a lot more about the way you view yourself, particularly, as I said at the beginning, about your value and about your worth. And where does that come from? Mm. Who gives you your value? I don't believe anybody can give you value. I don't believe that the midwife held you up in the delivery room as a little baby and said, quick. Can somebody give this child some value? We intrinsically have value. It is not a commodity that's given to you, and therefore it cannot be taken away from you. And as you said, somebody may make a comment, a negative comment, a heavily criticism comment, but make sure you know where they're coming from because their grounding may also be faulty, and they may be saying something that they don't understand the ramifications or why they're saying it. Mm -hmm. So why you would build and change your, your decision-making and your grounding on what other people say, this is where it goes wrong. Because you're almost like, I, I don't know, like a feather blowing in the wind, blowing either way what somebody says, if they approve of you, if they give you a conf confidence, you create green light feelings, if they give you negative, you create red light feelings. And constantly you're up and down and up and down and looking outside of yourself and not being accountable or taking responsibility for what you believe in yourself. But this, David, this connection to childhood trauma and childhood judgments and childhood criticism, it's like it amplifies the problem. Um often when we get criticized as an adult it's like we get taken immediately like a flick of a switch right back to that time our mother mm -hmm. criticized us or our father judged us or our teacher embarrassed us it's like we're reliving the powerful uncomfortable painful emotions from that moment as an adult 
it's almost like we have a, that, a tender spot in our belief system, you know, whether it's to do with, you know, being criticised for our work work ethic and how intelligent or stupid we were as a child or how good looking we were as a child or how well behaved we were. It, it, I mean, how do we cut how do we cut those ties that those that that legacy from our childhood? Yeah, that's absolutely right, Alex. And that's why I like to group the three together. CCJ, criticism. Yes, is what we co- we're concentrating on that now. Comparing is also part with that when your parents compare you to your other siblings or a teacher compared you to another member of the class or being judgmental. And those three have the same results. So to answer your question, first, you have to do what I, what we call in our model, the golden thread, the self-inquiry. And you're absolutely right. Normally, what happens, you use the word tender spot, and you said correctly, a tender spot for the beliefs. But actually, what a lot of people do is the tender spot for the emotions. So when somebody's criticised them, as many of my clients saying, it's like a dagger to the heart. My clients are so expressive. It's like somebody stabbed me. And what they're doing, they're describing an emotional feeling. And again, I try and say it on every video because it's so important to this model. You are the creator of your emotions. You are not the victim of them. So when somebody criticizes you, calls you fat, calls you thin, calls you stupid, calls you whatever, the emotion that that word invokes in your side, your body, they don't send that emotion into you. They don't like a pea shooter and shoot it in as in as into you that emotion is what you're creating and once you can understand that and once you embrace that the next question is the golden thread why why have i chosen to create that emotion if that person called me fat stupid idiot why have i created this very powerful intense my clients will call it overwhelming emotional feeling. And as you said, that will normally go back to childhood, normally about parents, not always, but the majority of the time is about you'll find a highly critical mother or father, grandparent, or you find a very poor teacher. These teachers don't realize the impact they can have on young children when young children have come through a very kind of cosseted life and they get put to school and the teacher could be critical and their teacher is the authority figure. So this can be a very powerful way. And as you said, it's like a direct link to that experience. So you have to find that experience. You have to then find what is the belief that you've developed around that experience, because that's what you have to deconstruct. I call it widening the perception, because you're still viewing that as a six, seven, eight, nine, ten year old. So the belief would be something like, so the experience was, say you were embarrassed at school by a teacher in front of all your peers. And the belief that you created, the story that you created from that incident would be that I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. I am not, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. And then you, are, are you always then worried that that, 
that truth about yourself is going to be somehow exposed. And then as soon as someone in your adult life you believe is criticizing you in a way which is um, judging your intelligence or your capabilities or whether you're up to, up to up to the job, as it were, that that then connects to that belief you made about yourself that I'm actually a stupid person and they know they found out my dirty little secret. Yes, and, and that's exactly, that's that's how you call it. And I think that's a really good name for it. I call it the vow, the vow that you told yourself there's something wrong with me. When the teacher, when my father, when my mother, uh, client said to me, when people who are biologically programmed to care for you, to love you and support you, when they criticize you, what are you supposed to do with that? Well, as a child, you, you can't do anything with it because you haven't got the cognitive understanding that you have now. You haven't got the awareness. You, your, your vision, your perception is very narrow. But now you can view it from a different way. And as you quite rightly say, it's like you hide it, you cover it up, that dirty little secret that I call the vow. But that dirty little secret will sound something like, there's something wrong with me. There's something missing about me. There's something that they've spotted that I have to hide. And that, you see, we're talking about criticism, the bit of the iceberg is po poking out the water. But when we dig down, you see this goes right back into childhood, right back to those formative years when we were building and creating our belief systems. And that belief system is what we're operating on now. And I get many, many questions. I'm just answering one now as a lady said, but it's my belief system. How can I change it? And the question is, why do you still believe it? Why do you believe a belief that you had when you were six, when you had no knowledge, when you had no life experience, when you couldn't look at things from a more wider angle? Why are you still grounding yourself and making decisions, life decisions, based on those childhood thinking but david i think what a lot of people would say is this is not just one person saying i'm a disappointment or not good enough like all the important people in my life have said the same thing to me therefore it must be true i think this is the interesting thing about it for me and as i said to you at the beginning it's like the what i call the pendulum and this is what I find with my clients who are adverse to being criticised or CCJ'd of any of the three compared, create as criticised or, be, or being judged. You know who's the worst? Who does it the most? Themselves. They will criticise themselves mercifully. They will not, they will look at everything. They will criticize the way they look, the way they dress, if they're trying to lose weight or they were not losing it quick enough. If they're trying to do something, they're doing it slower than anybody else. They're looking at life through this very deformed lens of criticism. And the ones that criticize the most is themselves. But they will also criticize everybody else to answer your question more directly. And then, of course, what they do to strengthen their case, they will cherry pick all of 
the problems and the criticisms and the comparing and the judgmental that people do to build their case. They will forget all of the successes, all of the things they've done really well. They, When I speak to my clients and I ask them about their successes, so some of them says, I can't even recall any. They've completely wiped that from the memory banks and they're focusing on the negative because that is the journey that they're on, trying to prove this point to be wrong. That's why you have to go down to the beliefs and reconstruct the belief because at the base of this, you have a child that's kind of stuck in their own prison of CCJ. So how do you reconstruct the beliefs though? If we if we find the childhood incident or, or, or series of incidents, like a pattern of behavior in terms of how our parents treated us or how we were treated at school, so we can recognize where this sensitivity to other people's feedback has come from. And we can we can kind of figure out what the belief is, the story is we've told ourselves about ourselves. How do we recon what do you mean by reconstructing the belief and how do we do that? Okay, so it's a it's a little bit uh, I will talk in general and answer that question in general. I'll just put one proviso. It's slightly different for for everyone because everyone is, is is unique. But I use the example I use with a lady I'm working with just yesterday. And we went, we did the golden thread and we found out, which you already knew, but it, she said it was like a awakening when she found out all of this thing was coming from her father. Her father was very critical of her and actually said the words such as, you're stupid, you'll never make nothing of yourself. You'll be lucky if you can find a man to look after you. You're not very intelligent. Your sister's far more intelligent than you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And she said, well, that's, that's where I've got it from. That's my source. So I said, right. So you're saying to me that everything your father says, you believe to be true. And she said, well, mm -hmm. well no, of course I don't. I said, well, okay. So you believe some of the things your father said is not true. She said, well, yeah, of course. Okay, so why have you now chosen to believe that? I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course. It was a lot more difficult than this. But why have you chosen to believe that set, set of statements he made and reject these set of statements you made? Mm -hmm. And that's when you start to deconstruct. You okay. see, when, and what you're actually doing, Alex, is you're widening a child's perception because a child as we said earlier is desperately looking for validation from approval from in this case her father she didn't get it and then i love what the Taoists say it's like the kernel in the middle of a nut it gets set and i often say to my clients beliefs are not set in stone Think about that saying. It's an old English saying. Beliefs are not set in stone. But what they're saying is this belief is set in stone. They've rejected and altered and updated and changed other things that her father said. But this belief she's holding on to because the child believed that she deserved, she was entitled, she needed this validation from her father mm -hmm. and then when he didn't give it or gave the opposite then she said the vow which then became what you call quite rightly the dark little secret there's something yeah. wrong with me if my father 
doesn't give me what I believe I should get, what he gave to my sister, if he doesn't give it to me, then there must be something wrong with me. And that's where it goes wrong. There's something wrong with him. There's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. And that's what you have to reconstruct. And, and you know, in my model, I call it the flip. You have to flip it over. And to do that, you have to do, and I'll do this with you now. We try and do it on every video because it's very simple. Every teaching is very simple. You can do this for yourself if you're listening. Imagine you have a beautiful niece or nephew, six years old. They came to you and they came and said, Auntie Alex, <clears throat> my father said, I'm stupid. My father said, I'll never be as intelligent as my sister. And my father said that I'd be lucky if I can get a man to look after me. You wouldn't say to that child, well, if your father said it, it must be true. Mm -hmm. But that's what you've been saying to yourself. Yeah, because as a as a child as well, we don't kind of think, well, hold on, is my parents emotionally balanced? What's my parents' upbringing been like? Were they criticised and judged harshly as a child? Are they just replicating the same behave, behaviour and treatment that they had as a child into how they're parenting me? Of course, as a child, we would never even consider that because we believe our parents and the elder people in our life are kind of like gods in a way. We never question that. And that's the work. You have to now put that person in the position that they can question that. They can. And it doesn't mean to say they're going to swing to the opposite and think that your dad was evil or terrible. But as you quite rightly said, these techniques emotional techniques come down so if you're listening to this and this rings true to you look at your grandparents if it's your father or your mother look at their parents and you'll see it coming down on the line it's learned behavior mm -hmm. and you have to change that learning here's the teaching here's the life lesson you have to change that for yourself you have to ground yourself in what i call shen you may call it truth, honesty, and integrity. You have to ground it in the truth because if you keep on grounding it in what other people say about you or your emotions, you are going to be constantly like that feather I talked about, being blown in whatever direction the wind is blowing today. And you're not going to be grounded and living and walking, as you say, in your flow because that's why we do these teachings. Wu Wei means to be in your flow, the wisdom to be in your flow, the wisdom to, if somebody is criticizing you, to look at it and to see whether that's had relevance. It may have, re have relevance. It may have an understanding that you can adapt and you can learn, and that's good. But they have no authority to criticize you as a person mm, that's the big difference isn't it it's a massive difference so why it... why are they more why are they higher than you to criticize who you are as a spiritual person this is why you know sometimes you just have to shake somebody and say you've got to stop it this is nonsense they are not superior to you. They haven't got more value than you. You don't need them to give you the commodity of value. 
They can say that you're doing this incorrectly. Your boss can say, you haven't made a very good job of this. My next question is, why? Because if you don't think I've made a good job of it, I think I did. There must be a, a, a miscommunication here somewhere. Let's find out why. But they can't value you as a spiritual human being, Alex. And this is why I think makes Wu Wei wisdom as a model different to other models. This is spirituality. And I'm not talking about religion or angels or gods or anything. I'm talking about you. You are worthy. You have value. It's not given to you or taken away from you, from your parents, from your teachers, from your partner, from your boss. They don't have a pool of value that they can give to you. It's yours, intrinsic to who you are. And I think, David, if we, these early formative years of our life, if we have a shadow of self-doubt over ourselves because what we've experienced, we don't believe we're good enough, we're worthy, then we will be naturally drawn to individuals, romantic partners, friends, colleagues at work who confirm, confirm that. And so when someone says, oh, well, yeah, but everyone criticizes me, everyone's saying the same thing about me, it must be true. Well, that's only because you've gone into those relationships, whether it's personal relationships, career relationships, with the shadow of self-doubt over yourself. So, and people have sensed that and you've not set boundaries, you've not called people out when they've been too harsh or inappropriate or disrespectful You've allowed that to happen, and then it becomes systemic in a way. And so Absolutely. it's not; it doesn't mean that you have no value. It just means that you've gone, entered into these relationships with self-doubt, and you've recreated the same dynamics that you experienced in childhood. And in a way, it's comfortable. That's the sad thing about it. It's it's what's called confirmation bias, and I call it a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if your boss constantly hears you criticizing yourself and berating yourself and, and saying you're not good enough, it's much easier for him to say the same. You're almost laying the path. If your partner, your friends hear you constantly saying things like, I'm fat, I'm stupid, I never get it right, I've got no intelligence, I, whatever you're saying, it's much easier for them just to copy you and repeat it. And so it becomes what I call, my label is a self-fulfilling prophecy, all the carousel of despair. That's what I call it. You get yourself locked in, and then you're right, here's the thing that people find, it becomes familiar and therefore comfortable. And you're living constantly in this negative way of creating emotions, uh, strengthening your core force beliefs and going round and around and around, and you're locked. And that's why that first thing, if you can't stand being criticized, you have to look deeper. Because you can't live a life. Because, again, everybody criticizes. You criticize. I criticize. You watch a film. You watch a, uh, a sports match. You, you're always criticizing. And if you can't stand it, if you're so delicate, if you're so, uh, you know, um, heightened, you've got to look why. And that's what the golden thread does. And we've done many teachings on the golden thread, the self-inquiry. It's something you can do for yourself 
I'm not saying every time because that would be ridiculous, but the majority of the time it will relate back to that period in your childhood that we call the inner child between six and nine when you were experiencing some of these experiences. And this has formed the foundation, the core of your belief system. And that belief system is still active now. And you've got to understand that and be accountable for that and check that out. And because that's acting every day, it's almost in your subconscious mind. It's a trained reaction that, uh, that you're doing. And it can be changed. It can be changed once you understand it. But part of the Wu Wei wisdom model is you cannot change what you don't understand. First job is to understand it. Yeah. And so I think as you say, become acutely aware of when you are creating red light emotional feelings, when someone gives you feedback that is unwelcomed. Become aware of that and become aware of when you criticise yourself in your self-talk and become aware of when you criticise other people. And I think if you can kind of manage those things and then do the work to look deeper, look to kind of think back around those childhood experiences and as you say deconstruct the belief question it that as you say, is absolutely the deeper work that needs to be done here because i guess learning to handle criticism is not just about oh well poo-pooing the other person or toughening up or mm. you know how to deal with it on a day-to-day basis it really is to to crack this once and for all you really have to do the deeper work that we've talked about here And when you've done the golden thread, Alex, and that's why I like the analogy of the inner child, because the analogy of the inner child allows you to think about reparenting, to go back, do the the golden thread, find out what needs to be deconstructed and reassembled. And that's when you, as the mature you, that's why I like the analogy. It's almost like you become the spiritual parent to your spiritual inner child. And now you can give yourself the correct teachings, the correct parenting, the correct advice, the correct support, the correct love that the the little you has been looking for from the person that didn't, couldn't, whatever, give it. But you can do that for yourself. And the beauty about this and the wisdom about this is it doesn't depend on anyone else. The value lies in you. The value doesn't lie outside of you. The value lies in you. That's never gone away. You haven't lost that. You can't lose your value or your worth. You are amazing. You are awesome. And I don't say that just lightly. I mean it. You are awesome. And if you don't believe that, if you smile and you have a little (laughs) bit of pushback, as I said that, you know the inner child's involved, and yeah. that's your work. That's your work to speak to that part of your mind. And you'll hear it talk to you, and it's so good at giving you the negatives, and you have to parent it. You have to be able to answer that. And that's why we do these, these videos, and that's why we call it life lessons, because that inner child needs to hear these life lessons, needs to be able to engage. And when I work with my clients, that really is where I think – my value lies is when we've done, most of my clients now watch the videos and they can do the golden thread and they get down to the inner child. 
but where it lacks is to have that communication, to be able to talk, to be able to listen to the inner child. Because a lot of my clients, you know, Alex, have shut down the inner child, locked it away. They'll say things like, I can't remember any anything past the age of seven or eight or nine. But I say, well, you must do because you base your beliefs on those things that happened at that time. So you've got to learn the techniques the child will do to push you away and reparent because the child is you and he badly needs you. And it's awesome. It's an amazing person. And when we can bring it together, that's what we're looking for in the Wu Wei wisdom model, that oneness, that truth, honesty, integrity that we call Shen. Thank you, David. And I will put links in the show notes to our inner child playlist and more teachings on the CCJ and self-doubt and people-pleasing. So there is lots more resources there for you to use. Thank you so much for listening to this week's Wu Wei Wisdom Life Lesson. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and please rate and review us to help us grow. If you'd like to work one-to-one with David, he supports clients all over the world every week via video call. You can learn more about David's consultations, plus our online events, offers, and gifts on our website, wuwaywisdom.com. You can also meet and share with us in our private Facebook group, on our YouTube channel, and on Instagram. Search for Wu Wei Wisdom and you'll find us. Until next time, stay happy, healthy, and in your flow.